Attention, attention, all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Welcome back to MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television series of all time. My name is Ryan Patrick, alongside my friend Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan Patrick. I am Jeff Maxwell. I've been Jeff Maxwell for a while, and I hope to be still Jeff Maxwell in many years to come. I hope so, too. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, we have a special guest for you today. We are returning to the royal family of MASH, and today we welcome Alan's grandson. Hi, Jake. Jake Coffey, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Great. It's so nice of you to join us today. Absolutely. So I'm going to start with the question that you get millions of times. What's it like being Alan Alda's grandson? Oh, you're Alan Alda's grandson. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) What a wonderful coincidence. This is great. All right. I know. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's great. But like, you know, I, for me, like what I tell people a lot is that, it's, you know, like I've, I've had like a very normal childhood and then, um, and you know, the times when I see my grandpa to me, he's just like, that's the only kind of life I know is just sort of him as my grandpa. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, you know, sometimes I get to go to cool events, things like that. But besides that, it's just been very normal having him as my well, grandpa. Well, that's a boring answer, man. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, I, I keep waiting for some good dirt on your grandfather and it seems that nobody has it. <laughs> uh, I don't got any. Man. I don't know. Nine years I spent with that gentleman, and I don't have any dirt either. <laughs> Gosh, I was hoping. Nothing. You say you had a normal childhood. Where did you grow up? So, yeah, so I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. And, yeah, I just, you know, was there for 19 years, and then I shipped myself off to L.A., and that's where I've been ever did since. Did you go to L.A. to be a part of the entertainment industry or, or something else? Originally, I uh, came here for school, and then I realized the school sucked, and so I left. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And then uh, and I just started doing my own thing out here and just haven't looked back. All those all those young people who are listening to us, school doesn't really suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, some does, yes. Well, some yeah. of it does, I guess. Yeah, yeah some does. What do you do for a living? Yeah, so I'm in the process of slowly shifting career paths. The past six or seven years, um, I was like a video editor. So I would like edit videos for hmm. like influencers around cool. L.A. And um, my main goal in life, like long term, is to be a filmmaker. And so I'm slowly doing other things that will slowly shift me to that main goal. You know, next, um, like I'm sort of in the process of trying to work for a talent agency for like doing like script coverage type of stuff. For the uninitiated, what is script coverage? So script coverage, basically, I, I would read scripts and I would have to do lots of analysis and basically like constructive criticism on the script itself and just sort of tell the agency for their clients about like if it's a good fit for their client and if the script itself is good. Most people don't like it. I think it's a lot of fun. I was a screenwriting major in college. So it's, it's I, I sort of have a love for scripts and screenwriting and things like that. So I think it's like a good. So it's kind of like when the jock would give money to the nerd in high school to do his book report for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically just like that. I do, I do the dirty gotcha, work. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Are Are you a writer yourself? Have you been writing screenplays? I was a lot when I was younger. When I went into uh, video editing, I sort of stopped screenwriting. I think I, I sort of lost the passion a little bit at that time. Mm. But like every day, I'll get like a new movie idea that I would want to write a script for. I just usually don't put it to paper mm-hmm. um, all the time. But mm-hmm. but I still always get creative um, with that. Is ideas. this just in your blood? Is this is this an Alda thing? Obviously, your grandfather. <laughs> is a fantastic yeah. writer. I mean, 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess so. And I definitely get it a lot from him. And he's helped me a lot. Like ever since I was a little kid, I started writing scripts when I was like six years old. So like when I was very little, like one of some of my earliest memories is like him just sort of sitting me down and like read my awful scripts back then and just sort of tell me like basically try to help me be a better writer, wow. essentially. And and he would like take so much like like we would have like three hour sessions just like going <laughs> the, going over my scripts and then I mean and they weren't that great scripts back then but he would always do his best to try to make make them better and I always appreciate I love that, that. like a, wow. a writing session yeah. with a six year old that's amazing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you give us six of those lessons just really quickly just so we know <laughs> you were six you can remember what he said Come oh on. yeah i remember right, everything absolutely. yeah well I, I do remember um one of the first things he ever told me when i wanted when i was starting writing is that every character wants something should want something yeah. and so it could be just be a sandwich or it could be to rule the world but when every character enters a room they want something so that little tidbit sort of always stuck with me when I write something. Mm-hmm. So whenever I introduce a character, I'm like, okay, what do they want? Mm-hmm. I mean, actors do that as well. Mm-hmm. I know Private Igor, uh, he wanted people to not yell at him. <laughs> so, what do you want? Just let me alone, please. <laughs> but Jake, you were, didn't you act? Weren't you doing some acting as well? My brother mostly does the acting. I did just some theater stuff um, when I was a kid, but I never acted professionally. Did you enjoy doing stage work? Yes, I did. It's so weird. I feel like I digressed as I got older. I enjoyed it a lot when I was when I was like young, and then slowly the enjoyment sort of got away. And then my senior year of high school. Um, was where it was like the breaking point for me because I was in, uh, I think it was Midsummer's Night Dream. Mm-hmm. I was like one of the leads. And an opening night, I end up forgetting 80% of my lines. Oh, no. <laughs> and wow. Shakespeare, like usually I would try to improv my way out of it. Yeah. But it's Shakespeare, which is kind of hard to like improv your way. Um, so <laughs> I was just like, you know, frozen there for the entire play, just trying to remember my lines. And it kind of traumatized me to where I was like, okay, I, maybe I should. Uh, not do this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing worse to stand there and all of a sudden your mind goes click. Yeah. Uh, where am I? What am I saying? Wow. That's a tough one. <laughs> Especially with Shakespeare. Yeah, like you said. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he gets so upset that Shakespeare when this stuff. Oh, yeah. Prima Donna. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're, you're going towards, I, I think it's really an interesting idea to hook up with a a talent agency, especially a, a literary agency, and then read all those scripts because that's going to really give you a tremendous education about who's doing what and what they're doing and how it sounds and the voices of each author mm-hmm. and how that relates to you and uh, how if you want to keep writing, that's going to help you to you know determine your own voice with regard to writing. It's a fabulous idea. The job is tough because you're yeah. kind of the guy who has to sit and read all those scripts and 90% of the scripts are not going to be very good. Exactly. You know, those 10% though, you're going to go, wow, this is really cool. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's a very courageous thing for you to do. I I admire that. Yeah. It's it's something that I, well, I'm like, I've always, my, like my brother did script coverage when he was in high school. And then my sister-in-law has also had experience with script coverage. So I guess it sort of is running in the family as well. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I just always found it like I, that kind of job is always interesting to me. And while some people may find it boring, I just think it's like a, I think it's also like a good way to help me like further my understanding of just film in general, mm-hmm. understand what's hot in the business, sort of like story wise and things like that. Mm-hmm. How far into a script do you usually get before you know this is going to be a good script or a stinker? Probably, I would probably say 
depending on how it's written, usually maybe like the first 10 pages. Oh, really? But for me, it's like, and I'm like this too, With because I, I watch a lot of movies and I'm the same way where I don't really fully judge something until the end because hmm. a, a movie itself could be pretty like okay and average, but it has a very strong ending because the ending is always what, what I leave with like remembering. Right. And so if it has a very strong ending, it will sort of sway me into liking it more. Hmm. So I usually don't fully think something's, you know, crap until, uh, until the final page. That's very good of you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Most people don't do that nowadays. <laughs> I know. And it's a it's a great adjective to tell your uh, prospective bosses. Yeah, this is crap. You know, <laughs> they're going to get it right yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, this is an analysis. It's just crap. Yeah, it's just crap. Uh, wow. Well, so going back to the fact that you grew up and uh, you know, <laughs> in an Alba family. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think there's any way that you could have said, "Hey, I think I'm going to be a psychiatrist," or "I think I'm going to be a carpenter." or I think I'm going to be something else. Was there any way you could have escaped? <laughs> well, I feel like in some ways I may have preferred that. Yeah. Like, like they never wanted us to be like child actors. Uh, they never wanted us to like go in the business too early just because, you know, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. They just know how tough the business is. And, you know, I'm sort of experiencing it myself. It's just so hard to like, one, be successful and just two, just even like finding a job. So I think, you know, in some ways it's like they would have preferred me to be a psychiatrist or something like that. Is the process that you have to go through, is it any easier just because you have a, a name spelled A-L-D-A? I mean, is that, does that make it any easier? Uh, not really, from what I've experienced, at least. Like, it, it might help me get more connections of just, like, meeting people, like, sort of, like, almost like having a foot in my door. But it doesn't really, in, like, the terms of, like, you know, nepotism and things, it doesn't, doesn't really help. Wow. When you were young, mm-hmm. was there a moment you suddenly realized that your grandfather was a big deal? Okay, yeah. So I always get asked when I realized he was famous. And I, there was never a time where I was like, oh, my grandpa's famous. But th- there was definitely an instance where I realized, okay, he's actually a, he's a big deal. He's a bigger deal than I thought. <laughs> it was like back in like 2005, I think. In a nine-month span, he was nominated for an Oscar, won an Emmy, uh, nominated for a Tony, and was also a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> And um, so, like, he was, like, big. He was, like, you know, it was almost like a resurgence for him at that time. Yeah. And he was visiting um, my family in Boston. I think he was filming his science show at the time. And he wanted to, like, take me out somewhere. So we, uh, he took me to go see the Blue Man Group. And um, we first went to uh, this restaurant nearby called Bertucci's. And my grandpa has, a, has, has always had a rule where, like, he doesn't like signing autographs because it just draws attention. And, he, you know, he doesn't want to be there for hours and end up signing autographs. But he has one thing where he's he will sign autographs for like waiters just because like they serve him and he thinks it's like his way of like also thanking them too if they ask. Huh. And so we're at Petucci's and we we go through most of our meal like uninterrupted, which was also kind of rare at the time. Usually when we go out to eat, usually someone will interrupt us, uh, like you know because they're like fans of my grandpa. But this time, like no one really interrupted us. And then towards the end, after we got our check, our waiter asked for an autograph. And my grandpa obliged. He um, he signed an autograph. And then a couple of minutes later, next thing we know, the entire like staff of the restaurant come <laughs> one by one asking for an autograph. Even, even the kitchen staff. You had a line yeah. of waiters around the block. Huh? <laughs> it was it was literally like, yeah, it was looked like a meet and greet. <laughs> and but he was very gracious. He signed every single person. 
And then we went to uh, the Blue Man Group. And that's where, like, I guess a word got around that my grandpa was in the audience. Because then midway through the show, they, like, incorporated my grandpa into the show. Oh. And, uh, which he wasn't, he didn't realize was going to happen. And so they had him, like, throw marshmallows in one of the Blue Man's mouths or something. Yeah. And so that was cool. And then, like, he got, like, a standing ovation. And then after the show, when we, we were, like, the one of the last ones to leave because we went backstage to say hi to the, to the Blue Men. But then when we left... There was like crowds of like uh, probably over a hundred people just waiting outside to see my grandpa as if he was like in the show. Wow. And then those paparazzi like taking pictures of us. It was like it was as if we were like at some kind of big event where my grandpa was the star of the of the show or something. It was very weird. Yeah. And then we just sort of, you know, we waved to the cameras and just left. But I think that was sort of the first time I was like, Okay, my grandpa is pretty big. What what does that feel like? I mean, as a as a young guy, suddenly realize all that. What does that feel like? It's always cool. I'm like, I was always an excited kid. So I think I, I loved that moment. Like it was my first time being paparazzi. It was just sort of, you know, I, the attention was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. From your perspective, how does he handle those kinds of things? He handles it well. Um, I mean, he's, he's always been a private person, mm-hmm. but he likes sort of the attention sometimes. But um, he definitely likes being private. And he always tries to make sure that like his private life sort of stays private, but sort of his like public persona of like when he does movies and stuff, I mean, he's fine sort of like with the attention of all that. But mm-hmm. kind of part of the job, really, when you're doing a, a film, you kind of have to be a, in line with that and sort of agree to it. How about your grandmother, Arlene? How does she handle that? Does she is she OK with that? Uh, yeah, she's fine with it. She She's even likes to be even more private than my grandpa, mm-hmm. but she handles, she handles it really well. I don't think she just likes the the idea of fame that much. So, yeah, she tries to um, be a bit more quiet with it than my grandpa. Okay. How about directly? Now, your mother, Eve. Yes. Um, how does she do? I mean, she was, you know, their daughter and mm-hmm. she kind of grew up with that from the very beginning. Uh, how does she navigate that? Yeah. I'm like, I, I haven't really gotten much thought into that. Um, but I'm like, from what I, I've heard is that like, at least when MASH was out, was first, it's like when MASH happened, I think she was a teenager. So like when she was like looking through colleges and stuff, my grandpa was like, you know, one of the biggest actors in the world. And I think she's just wanted to sort of push her way, push her, like sort of separate herself from that, from sort of the idea of that, like everyone knew her, who, who her father was. So I think at least when she was a kid, she wanted to like definitely separate herself from the idea of fame in general. You know, she's like the the only uh, one of her sisters that didn't, you know, go into acting. She went into social work instead. Um, I just don't think she liked the idea of working in the in, the, in that kind of industry. Mm-hmm. And and you have two aunts, yeah, Beatrice and Elizabeth, mm-hmm. who who I remember from stage nine. And in fact, we had uh, we had Elizabeth on the on the podcast. She was delightful, and it was a lot of fun. And I remember them uh, kind of growing up in that environment and having seeming seemingly having a good time with it and. They were actually in some of your uh, some of your grandfather's movies and stuff. Yeah, so they kind of followed the line a little bit. Yeah, I think it's sort of in my family. It seemed like it's almost like a hit or miss about like wanting to go into that business. And I think in some ways, you know, my grandpa just he's he he'll be as supportive as possible if we try to become an actor or go into the business. But you know, I think he definitely was also would be even more happy if we try to like branch out somewhere else with something else. Sure. You you could open up a series of uh, franchise restaurants called Igor's Mess Tent if you want. I mean, we could work. <laughs> I'll let you two work these details out. I'm going to go grab a sandwich. <laughs> Jake, let's talk about MASH. Yes. So I have seen uh, many of your TikTok videos. Oh, where yes. You talk about your grandfather and you mm-hmm. talk about MASH. What are your earliest recollections of MASH? And and I guess, I, well, let me start. I, I assume that you have watched the series. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, 
Well, yeah. When I was younger, I had only seen like the first three seasons. I don't remember uh, when I watched them, but sometime when I was younger. And then uh, when I started doing making TikToks, I was like, well, if I'm going to be talking about my grandpa and MASH, I might as well like finish the series. And so I binged it in like a few weeks. Wow. Yeah, when I when I binge things, I take it seriously. I try to <laughs> kind of knock it out as quick as possible. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, but yeah, so that was like back in like 2020, 2021, I think. And so you're you're in your 20s, right? Oh uh, yeah. I, I'm curious. Set aside the fact that he's your grandfather and mm-hmm. he was the star of the show. From a perspective of a younger person experiencing the show for the first time in full, mm-hmm. what was your take on the show? Yeah, you know it's it's very interesting. Um, I real I really like the show, regardless of who my you know, grandpa is. I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely a pivotal point in sitcom history as well as TV history. Just sort of the way they handled um, like serious events. How how because like back then sitcoms were always just like laugh laugh laugh. It, but Mash sort of paved its way to where it wasn't just always laughs. You know, there were serious moments in the show. You know, like I think the um, season three finale is like a, where that that really started to take place because that was like one of the first times where you really realize like, okay, this isn't just a comedy. It's more than that. That's Abyssinia Henry. Yeah. 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 Which is also one of my favorite episodes of the show. Oh, yeah. Tough one. Tough episode. Do you, uh, uh, among your friends, and Mm -hmm. uh, do you get a sense from them about MASH? I mean, they know who you are and they know the relationship. Uh, but do they come across it with honesty and say, hey, you know, I didn't like it that much or, hey, yeah, I get it. Or- you know, I think a lot of people my age, for them, it's more of a nostalgia thing because like, for them, they would watch it with either their parents or their grandparents as kids. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's sort of if they like it with that aspect because it brings back to, to their childhood of just like late at night watching it with their family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like. You'll, you'll be surprised. There are like a lot of people who like we starting to hit that generation who aren't too familiar with the show, uh, which is a little disappointing. And like now people my age, like it'll be a hit or miss if they even know who my grandpa is. Oh, really? The name, the name might be a hit or miss, but typically they'll, they'll know his face. Like, like nowadays they know him more for um, Marriage Story or 30 Rock. Right. Um, sometimes the West Wing mm-hmm. um, as well. But MASH is usually something that's like a hit or miss with how how they'll know my grandpa. Which for me is frightening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> makes me makes me a little nauseous when I hear those kinds of things. I remember I spoke at a school. They were talking. I was asked to come and talk about show business and what my involvement was and so forth. And I stood up and there was about probably, I don't know, 60, 70 young high school students there. And I said, well, how many of you have seen MASH? Mm-hmm. And one hand went up. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I almost passed out. I thought, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> I, you know, I can sell ice cream, but I what do you, what do you want from me? It was a scary moment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little disappointing. I mean, I guess it just makes sense with changing generations, but sure. Yeah. It's just, you know, a little disappointing. Did you ever have a question about MASH that you couldn't figure it out? And so you ask Alan and say, hey, well, what was that about? Why did that happen? Ooh. Um, not that I can think of. Yeah. Because like most of my questions about it would just be like, you know, when there was a guest star, I'd be like, oh, was that person nice? Okay. Okay. So about that guest star thing. Okay. Who didn't he like? <laughs> Here we go. Let's he get loved down everybody. To the dirt. Yeah. Ah, darn it. <laughs> I tried, right? I know. I thank you. I appreciate it, Jeff. <laughs> Valiant effort. When you were watching the series, when you were binging the series, yeah. was there anything that surprised you? Were you surprised that you liked it as much as you did? Or was there anything that was like, wow, I didn't see that resonating? I definitely think I watched it. Oh, at least binged it at the um, right time because I mean I feel like if I watched it younger I probably wouldn't think it was like 
because it has its dark moments, I would think, oh, you know, it's too dark in these moments. But now, I, you know, I sometimes like things that sort of doesn't doesn't shy away from going darker. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that. And um, I just sort of, yeah, I'm like, I sort of caught off guard that like, you know, get a bit more serious in the later seasons. Mm-hmm. I also really liked how, which I think was my grandpa's idea about how there's no laugh track in the operating scenes. Yeah. Um, which I think was a really nice touch. Eventually they phased it out completely. Oh yeah. 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 Did the writers of MASH, including your grandfather, mm-hmm. Did they help stimulate your idea in terms of maybe going into doing this work and, you know, working for an agency and uh, talking about the scripts and so forth? Did that sort of fall into your sort of DNA and say, hey, I get what they're trying to do and I'd like to kind of learn more about it? Yeah, yeah. I'm like... Yeah, I'm like, oh, at least I know with my grandpa. I've been so inspired by the the way he writes because he's so eloquent with how his writing sort of just flows. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of get inspired by that. Ma- MASH in general, like MASH has, I feel like has some very unique writing too. Mm-hmm. Something that you don't really see, at least in, like in that time period, you didn't really see much the way it, the show was written back then. Right. And so, so I guess in a way, I sort of do get some like inspiration through that, through the show and the way how characters talk, which is sort of the way how, how a joke is set up. It's sort of a, a way the it's written that that sort of is a bit inspiring for me well a lot of talented writers were there for 11 years including your grandfather and Mm -hmm. of course larry gelbart who was the the guy who set the footprint down i think it was an amazing array of writing it really was it was Mm -hmm. a stunning television show that these people were able to wrap their arms around and and keep going for so long yeah but so can we go from mash to so you do tiktok videos yeah so i I did and forgive me i'm TikTok illiterate, so <laughs> I am an idiot. I'm not an idiot completely, um, as people might disagree with me. But TikTok, I, yeah. it loses me. I don't get it, and I, I don't have it. So, so tell us what you do. I'd like to know. Yeah, so I, I used I don't I haven't made a video in like a year and a half. But when, at the start of the pandemic, I you know when we're all trapped in our homes and trying to find something to do, you know, I, I went to like many people went to TikTok and just started making random videos, and then none of them was really getting traction. And then I made one video about when I went to go to uh, Telluride Film Festival with my grandpa. Like I sort of ex- talked about my experience there and then like showed my grandpa at one point, but like didn't even name him by name. I just said, oh, my grandpa, blah, blah, blah. And then um, that TikTok blew up and people were like, oh my God, your grandpa's like Alan Alda, question mark, things like that. And then, yes, and I made another video about like being Alan Alda's grandson and then that blew up. And then I realized that there's like a whole subsection of TikTok of people who are big fans of MASH and my grandpa. So I just started continually making videos about my grandpa and people seem to really enjoy it. Even to, and like, I haven't made a video in a year and a half and I still get DMs from people like being like, I miss your videos. But yeah, it's like, it's, um, TikTok was a lot of fun for a while. It's like a fun, it was a fun little hobby. Uh, it can get addictive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how it goes. Yeah. Were you surprised by the response to the uh, TikTok videos about your grandfather? Yeah, because, you know, on TikTok, I just assumed it was just all like Gen Z people. Mm-hmm. But I was like surprised that like, you know, there's like an older generation, you know, generation that grew up with MASH that was there. And they all somehow found my TikToks, you know, so that was cool. I had like a, you know, a small little following there at a point. And it was just sort of cool, like also interacting with all of them and just sort of like hearing all their thoughts of, or how much like my grandpa meant to them, you know, things like this. And try, you know, because like a lot of them told me that like my videos would, you know, make their day, things like that. So I just, so it's just sort of like the things that they would say to me sort of made me want to like continue making them for them. Well, you're getting some of the wonderful compliments that your grandfather has gotten over the years. And yeah. luckily I get sometimes when I'm out in public and do some autograph shows or something that people come and say such wonderful things to me on behalf of the show 
not just about me, but everybody and how much they love the characters and what a wonderful experience MASH was for them. And we get that, you know, in several emails all the time Mm -hmm. about what we're doing here and talking about MASH. So, you know, you getting a little bit of that is certainly a good thing. Yeah. No, I, yeah. It, it feels it, good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really does. You know, it means a lot to me. And um, yeah. you know, it always sort of touches me a bit when, when someone tells me how, how much my grandpa um, you know, means to them. It's just, you know, it's just a really cool thing. Outside of MASH, of course, your grandfather has done so much outside of MASH. Yeah. Are, are there any roles or projects that have stood out to you? Yeah. Um, obviously, this marriage story. Um, like that one, it's like when my favorite movies so i've always liked that and then of course is um the four seasons mm. which i think well one is because like he wrote and directed it and starred in it and it's also i just love like that movie has become sort of a comfort movie of mine uh. i just love how just sort of the style of it it has that very 80s type of like hangout style yes which i really like a lot and i think it's one of his best written things he's done as well and i love his chemistry with carol burnett and you know the rest of the cast as well and so like that one always sticks out to me a lot and it's very rewatchable too. Mm-hmm. And they're making it into a TV show now on Netflix. So I'm excited for oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, with uh, Tina Fey. Oh, hey, I did not know that's that. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's great. Did you ever have a moment where you went to him and said, you know, you know, I saw that show and man, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always try to hype him up. I'm always like, oh, that was great, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, you know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I just watched that movie a couple of nights ago. It was on. It was really fun to watch. It's fun to see him and writing and directing and acting and starring. By my goodness, what a lot of energy. One of the things that impressed me when I first got involved with MASH is how much stamina mm. this man had. I couldn't believe it. I'd have been on the floor with what he did. He was acting and writing and directing. And then he'd travel from uh, Los Angeles back east and then come back on Monday. And, that blows my mind. Yeah, he does. And just kept doing it week after week after week. Yeah. And, you know, every once in a while he'd take a nap. But, God, he never stopped. He was the Energizer Bunny. It was amazing what stamina he has. I know, and like even even today, he's still like he's still constantly like he's always very busy with his podcast, and like things like this. So mm-hmm. he has so much. I mean, obviously he's a lot older now, but he's he's just constantly like has that drive to just do things, and it's it's just crazy to me that he just never stops. It's great. I love it. One of the things that has impressed me about your grandfather too mm-hmm. is his thirst for knowledge. Mm-hmm. He is so interested in talking to other people about what they do and learning. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I had that. I wish I had that gene. <laughs> I, I mean, he genuinely enjoys at his age after he is, I mean, the man knows more than I will ever know, but he still loves learning. Oh yeah. Ever since he was a kid, especially when it comes to science, he's always had that sort of that drive for knowledge. And he did like the scientific American frontiers for 11 years. Yeah. yeah. He just like, and then even now he loves the idea of just getting into deep conversations, just sort of understanding somebody, you know? And I think that just sort of tells you how he is as a person. He's yeah. just very people focused, always wants to like know everybody. And his podcast, I, I feel like we are with him in that we don't know a lot about the subject mm-hmm. through your grandfather. He's asking the questions that we have yeah. about these deep subjects. You know, I wouldn't have the first clue what to ask some of these people, but he is so good at letting the conversation flow and, and yeah. we're learning along with him as he's learning. Well, yeah, like like on his podcast, Claire and Vivid, basically his, his entire podcast is just about understanding each other and just sort of like communicating, um, mm-hmm. like sort of communicating through one another, like through work or whatever. 
And like when he when he has his guests on the show, he doesn't take any notes. He doesn't write down any questions about what to ask. He just lets the conversation flow the entire time. And like he still does a lot of his research. Like he, he still researches a lot so he can have a deep conversation with his guests when they're on his podcast. But he's not going in with like a list of pre-written. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like write down like, oh, say this then or anything like that. Much like we do. We have. <laughs> right, yeah. I can't read my writing, so it doesn't help me, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Hey, uh, you you come from a showbiz family, not just mm-hmm. your grandfather, but his father too, yeah. which obviously he passed before your time. Yeah. But have you heard any stories about your great-grandfather? Not really. I knew that he struggled a lot with, with his acting, especially earlier on. And I, I definitely heard about him like starting to be like a straight man back in the 30s in burlesque, which was interesting going from there to then, you know, getting a, a picture deal at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. But he, he had a very interesting career, though, because, you know, he did burlesque first and then he got like a big deal. Like he was supposed to be like the next like Cary Grant at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Well, like he was actually at Warner Brothers around the same time as Cary Grant. Cary Grant ended up being the, the big one. But then he went started doing a lot of stage stuff and... And got Tony for uh, Guys and Dolls and yeah. did a lot of TV stuff. I think one of the first times I saw him was in Rhapsody in Blue, mm-hmm. in a film about George Gershwin. And I thought he was really cool. I thought, oh, he is cool. And I didn't know anybody at that time. He was, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed him and the film. And- yeah, that's a fun movie. Yeah, yeah I saw that as well. Um, that was supposed to be his big break, too. It was his first Warner Brothers movie. Um, apparently, the studio didn't like him, is what I heard. Oh. Which is unfortunate. But yeah, I, I, mean, I liked the movie. I thought it was fun. I did, too. And uh, I love Oscar Levant was in it. And mm. He did all the piano playing that, that mm. Mr. Alda was supposed to be doing and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing movie. I mean, mm. it was beautiful music and fun to watch. And uh, Robert Alda was terrific in it. Yeah. And then later appearing on MASH. Yeah. Yes. yeah two episodes. Yeah. 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 It was an episode with uh, him, my grandpa, and my uh, grandpa's brother as well. Yes. Yeah. Lend a hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just curious, when you're growing up, spending time with your grandparents, what was that like to be at their house or if they come to your house and just hanging out? Were there any fond memories that you can recall? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's always a lot of fun hanging out with them because they're, they're also very, especially my grandma, she's a very social butterfly. <laughs> like every night at dinner, we'll always have, get into deep conversations about whatever they want to talk about. And then, you know, when I was younger, we would visits and i still do sometimes uh we visit their home in long island and there was a time there's a few summers where we would film home movies so we would like make our own movies huh. my brother would sort of like organize the script of it of just sort of like what's going to happen and then we just sort of go and film from it and so we just sort of like make these like little movies together uh, they weren't oscar worthy or anything but they were, like, <laughs> but they were they were uh entertaining to make would he review the dailies and then want to do reshoots <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, my acting was not great back then. I would always just stare right into the camera. I was like, <laughs> how much you think they go for on eBay? <laughs> well, probably just a few cents, you know, nothing, nothing too much. But yeah, like it was, it was always a fun experience, you know, doing that. And then just sort of, you know, we have like our own little like mini premiere for it too, at the house where we just all sit and watch it. And it was, it was oh, great. great. You mentioned your brother. So is he pursuing acting? Is yeah. That what he's doing? Yeah. He was in um, one big movie. I know my aunt mentioned when she was on called The Outpost. Okay. Yeah. Now um, it's back on Netflix. So are you going to write him a script? And- <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I feel like I feel like it's due time for that. I need to yeah. write him a script, have him star in it. Right. He'll have to audition first. Well, obviously, yes. <laughs> yeah. Show him no mercy. Yeah. <laughs> Just because he has the Alda name doesn't mean yeah. that he's going to get the part. Come on. <laughs> So uh, you you mentioned earlier you love watching movies. Oh yeah. What films do you like? I mean, is there a particular genre of film that you enjoy watching or makers that yeah, you so I've I've become people call me crazy for the amount of movies that I watch. 
Like, I've always been big in movies. Like, I always watch more than the person my age would. But then, like, when the pandemic happened, I wanted to challenge myself to see how many movies I could watch in a year because I had nothing else to do in my life. Mm. We were all trapped in our homes. And so in the calendar year, I ended up watching 1,810 movies. Oh, um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so and so then that sparks almost an obsession with watching movies for me. Because for me, I always consider it research for when I make my own things. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of fun. I just get like an exciting drive. There's this movie app that I use called Letterboxd, where I just sort of log and review every movie that I watch. Mm. It's almost like Goodreads for movies where people can follow you. Yeah. So that app itself just sort of got me very excited into movies. And, and I, I basically will watch anything, even if I know I'm going to hate it. Huh, really? Yeah. Besides, just sort of, it's, for me, it's just sort of a learning experience as well as being like what not to do. Yeah. So so when you're watching, are you breaking down the kind of the structure of the movie and saying, yeah, they didn't do that there. And they I do. Yeah. Especially I'm most critical with the writing of the movie and the editing, which is like the two things that I like have been doing professionally. And like with scripts, it's always about like exposition, how exposition is given. Because most movies are surprisingly give pretty bad exposition when it comes to uh, explaining what's happening in the movie. But yeah, so I, I definitely watch movies with a critical eye, but I still always have fun with it every time I watch something. Do you watch old movies too? New movies? Yeah, yeah. I watch pretty much everything. I've been on like an 80s kick this past month, so watching a lot of 80s movies. Like I watch silent movies, you know, a lot of Buster Keaton stuff. Oh, I love Buster <laughs> Keaton. Yeah, oh, he's so great. Yeah. I've always been a huge fan of Charlie Chaplin too. I'm also on a big Oscars kick of just like, I mean, I've seen every Best Picture winner, but I'm just revisiting all those movies from like the past, the ones that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. So it's just like a lot of fun for me. It's like a big, it was a, like a big hobby. Have you been a movie fan since you were young? Yeah. I mean, as far as I remember, like, I remember my parents would just be like, you know, want to go see this movie and I would have never heard of it. But like, okay, sure. And then I would just watch movies that I like didn't know about back in the good old days where you could like rent movies uh, like Blockbuster. I would go there twice a week and I would just find movies that I didn't know any like I go completely blind into them. I would back then when I was like six or seven, I would judge it off its cover. If the cover looked cool, I loved it. But I would just, yeah, I would just watch a bunch of random movies through like Blockbuster. Yeah, so I would just watch some pretty obscure things when I was like seven. Okay, what's the secret of handling exposition in writing your screenplay? Oh, I just hate when like when it feels like that the character is telling the audience instead of who they're talking to about what they need to know. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's more of a show. Don't tell. Mm-hmm. I think actually a great example is uh, Midnight Cowboy. Uh, best picture in uh, 1969. I just rewatched that recently. And they do a great job of showing us our character's backstory without saying anything. And it's just like montage glimpses of his backstory. And just by showing very little, we learn so much about his character and how he is who he is now how he came here well that's life yeah oh yeah we don't know people's backstory when we meet them exactly yeah yeah some some people we don't want to know their backstory well, yeah and <laughs> some people will tell you their backstory whether backstory. you want it or not <laughs> or they'll show you their backstory which can even be more uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> okay i'm gonna ask you put you on the spot give yeah. me your top three favorite movies oh okay thankfully i i have it off the top of my head so my top two is uh, Zodiac and um, Her. Wow. Okay. And then it's followed by uh, The Social Network and Ordinary People. Huh. Wow. With an honorary mention of One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. All right. Just uh, real quickly, why? What, what did they do that, that others did not do? Well, with Zodiac, it's a very well-made movie, very sharp script, and you know, what I just find interesting is that it's about a serial killer, but all the murders happen within the first 30 minutes. 
And then at the next two hours, it's just the investigating. Yet it's the most tense, gripping thing I've ever seen. Mm. And then with her, I just sort of connect with that a lot. Like her to me is like a very beautiful movie about love and connections and just sort of who we are as people and um, the flaws that we have and things like that. And ordinary people? Ordinary people, you know, again, that's, you know, something I can relate to a lot. And it's, it's a very touching thing about grief and that grief sort of comes in waves. And it's just, I, I've had to, you know, deal with grief for a bit for the past like year. And it's just something I was able to resonate with a lot. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Those are my my movie recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually never seen Zodiac. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I like like David Fincher, so I I don't know why I haven't seen it yet, but I just never got around to it. Neither have I. I got to see that. So you said Letterbox, is that what it's called? Yeah, Letterboxed. We'll put a link to your page in Letterboxed on our in our show notes. Oh great. Yeah. How can people follow you if they want to, you know, connect with you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm at Jake Alda Coffee. I'm also on Twitter of the same name and then uh, Letterboxd of the same name. Hey, thank you so much for spending time with thank us. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Next time you talk to your grandfather, give him our best and our love. And let's uh, let's do this again sometime. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. And and please say hi- hello to your mother. I I will. I spent uh, more time with uh, Beatrice and Elizabeth because mm-hmm. they were kind of kooky and they ran around and we had a <laughs> fun time on the set. Yeah. <laughs> Did crazy things. But I did meet uh, your mother a long time ago and give her my best as well. And uh, if you see those two cookie girls, <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth and Beatrice, give them a big hug for me, too. Of course. And, and your grandmother as well. I'll, I'll give everyone a hug for you, Jeff. Yes. Please, hug everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hug it out. All right. <laughs> really? And until next time, here's looking up your old address. <laughs> <laughs>